Chicago. Thanks, everybody, uh, for tuning in. And thanks for podcasting and uh, all the great things you said about the show. Sometimes I don't think I deserve a lot of the things that you say, but, uh, you know, it, 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 it's what it is. And thanks for supporting the show and telling me to keep up the good work and all that kind of thing. It, it really, uh, I really do appreciate it. I really do. It is, we are just on the air in the city of Chicago. It is dark. Well, actually, it's not dark, but it's very, very cloudy. Uh, it's a lot cooler. Actually, it feels good. We were out there uh, a few hours ago. It was it was cool. And I hope it's nice wherever you are in the world. I hope you're not feeling depressed and all of this kind of thing, uh, helpless and lonely and, and as if you don't matter. I don't want anybody feeling helpless. You're not helpless. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do in the midterms. And uh, the drama just keeps unfolding, unfolding, and totally unfolding. I'm looking at Jerry Brown, the governor of California, and he's saying something has got to happen to Trump. Is he calling on people to do Trump harm? Uh, People must get rid of him. We're trying... uh, you're right. We must get rid of him. But what do you want us to do? Run into the White House and, and just drag his ass out of the White House onto the lawns? We can't do that. There's too much uh, uh, military around him. There's the White House police. There's Capitol Police. There's there's uh, 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 Secret Service. We just can't. I agree. We have to get rid of Trump. We have to get rid of him. But Trump is not going anywhere because he likes power. He loves power. And I've said this a thousand times. He loves power. And another reason why he's not going anywhere, because the Republicans are protecting him. They're protecting him. So I can uh, I agree with uh, Jerry Brown, the governor of California. I agree with his sentiment that something has to happen to Trump. But uh, (laughs) I hope he's not. Well, he could be. Who knows? Uh, he could be advocating violence against Trump, but you can't get used. To, you can't get to Trump. That's the only thing I think that's going to really, really mean anything. People must get rid of Trump. Yeah, we have to, but uh, we look for our representatives in Congress to do that for us because they're the ones that can get close to him, not us. Unless we just decided one day that we had so we've taken so much of this guy and we don't want it anymore. We out we march on Washington, millions and millions ram the White House, went ram the uh, uh state of uh the Capitol building and, and th- I think that's the only way these fuckers gonna realize that the American people aren't gonna take their shit. But I understand Jerry Brown's sentiment. We are trying to do something. We are. We are uh trying to get rid of him. We're trying to embarrass him out of office. We're trying to uh, criticize him as, as much as we can to get him out of office. But Trump is not going anywhere. If anybody gets him out of office, it's going to be Mueller, the, this investigation, uh, or the Democrats when they finally take over, uh, hopefully the House and the Senate in the midterms. Other than that, t- Trump is there because as I've just mentioned, the reason why Trump is there is because the Republicans are protecting him. Uh, he loves power. He's not going to give up that power. I mean, Trump has been – he's a millionaire. He's a billionaire, maybe. We haven't seen his taxes. We don't know what the hell he is. Uh, uh, he's a millionaire. He, he's got – I mean, he can't last long. I've been saying that for a long time on the show. Trump cannot last that long. 
He's a weasel. He cannot last that long. The Republicans cannot protect him forever. And another thing here is that um, another reason I think he will not resign, and this is a true one, uh, as I've been talking about almost every day on this show, the the Justice Department, Jeff Sessions' Justice Department, the FBI, they have something on the book, some kind of clause or, or item on the book that says a sitting president cannot be indicted. This is the reason why we haven't seen no indictments coming towards Trump. And uh, however, if Trump decides to resign and that's not going to happen, he will go to jail. He will he, the, the uh, Justice Department will not be able to. Uh, protect him or shield him anymore because he will be a private citizen and and as a private citizen he will be jailed he and all of those suits will um, accumulate and they will come get his ass but right now i mean it's so close to the midterms i'm pretty sure that Mueller is not going to bring out any kind of indictments or subpoenas or summons or anything that uh before the midterms, because the Republicans, as they're crying now, they'll be crying the timing, the timing, the timing, you know. So Mueller, uh, you have to remember, Robert Mueller is a Republican, too. He may, I don't know, I'm just hoping that he's not sympathetic towards Trump and and his crimes. I'm, I'm hoping that. Uh, but anyway, you know, um, do not wait for anything serious uh, to happen to Donald Trump himself. Donald, everybody around Donald Trump has been going to jail or accused of some crime or uh, pleading guilty to something. And we know that Donald Trump is the ring fucking leader. We know that. He's the mob boss. And these guys are taking a fall for Donald Trump, and I don't understand that. And and like I said before, I'm looking at Jerry Brown here, and he's pleading, people get rid of Trump. You got to get rid of Trump. Something's got to happen to Trump. We know that. What I want to see Donald Trump is I want to see Donald Trump go to prison. I mean, impeachment is just too fucking easy. This man needs to go to fucking jail. I mean, he needs to go. Apart my language, folks, but he needs to go to jail. Okay, now the latest thing that's happening here is uh, Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, Trump's picks for Trump's pick for the Supreme Court. A second woman has come come uh, um, has come on the scene, okay. And Mitch McConnell is out there. I mean, this this turtle looking fucker. I mean, he is out there uh, blaming Democrats, Democrats this, Democrats that, Democrats. And this jackass held up Obama's Supreme Court pick uh, for a whole year. He didn't let Obama seat anybody on the Supreme Court. And now, hey, I'm, I agree with some other people. This is probably payback. Pay fucking back. This is probably payback. And he can't stand it. I mean, the, the, the heat in the kitchen is so, so, uh, so hot on the Republicans that they're blaming the Democrats for everything. I think the Democrats are doing the right thing to try to keep this guy from being seated on the Supreme Court. But however, however, the Republicans are totally, totally in charge of everything. The Democrats may be able to stall this for a while 
But Mitch McConnell said that uh, in a day or so, or a few days, he's going to give this an up or down vote. You're either going to vote for him or you, you're not going to vote for him. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, if the Republicans are in charge and they all think that Democrats are, are witch hunting this thing, they are probably going to all vote for Kavanaugh and he will be seated. But if there is something here, it, it, if Kavanaugh is seated without an investigation from the Republicans – the Democrats, once they take over everything, they will uh, do a uh, investigation of Kavanaugh and his and his alleged crimes. They would do, and that's one of the one of the things I can't understand. Why won't the Republicans do an investigation? Kavanaugh is out there denying, deny, 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 deny. He he and his wife has been on Fox News. Deny, 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 deny. Fuck, half the people in prison denied that they did what they did to get them there. That's one of the things I, I, I can't stand about the Republicans. They will not investigate these allegations against this man. They just want to sit him because they're in charge, and the Democrats are not. I think the Democrats should hold and fight and fight and fight until we do not sit this guy on the Supreme Court because – Brett Kavanaugh, if he's not anything, if he's not anything else, he is a get out of jail card for Donald Trump. Donald Trump wants him. The Republican wants him. He's a get out of jail for Donald Trump, and he will turn back everything that uh, has been achieved in America on on race relations, environmental protections, you name it. He's education he's going to roll everything back and if the and the people don't get out here and vote in a few weeks in the midterms kiss goodbye to america these people are going to just run roughshod this is going to go back to germany 1934 with hitler and all this shit going on uh people are going to i mean you're going to have soup kitchens we must get out here and vote because the Republicans, they do not care anything about you, me, or anybody. They care about themselves. They care about pocketing our taxpayer money. Uh, Trump has already spent 72, 77. It's been reported that he's spent $77 million of taxpayer money just golfing. Remember how he used to ridicule Obama for golfing? And he's out, and he's out golfed Obama by millions. That's all he does is golf, lay on his ass, and eat uh, fast foods, and then say something dumb and and while wrecking America. That's what he's doing. Remember when he wanted to cut the pay or stop the raises, stop, uh, excuse me, stop the raises of federal workers. And Jeff Sessions is saying that uh, federal judges should, should stop uh, uh, not implementing Donald Trump's uh, agenda or whatever, even if it hurts people. I don't understand Jeff Sessions. I mean, Donald Trump talks about him like a dog. I mean, Donald Trump talks about him really, really bad. Donald Trump talks about him in the negative. Calls him names, <laughs> countryfied, uh, all this kind of thing. 
uh, childish things. And uh, and Jeff Sessions, like so many other Republicans, they just stand in line to kiss Donald Trump's ass. It seems like they're afraid of him. Donald Trump said, well, you can't impeach me. I make you rich. He was talking to his base and he was talking to the people who he has given so many tax, uh, this first tax cut to and want to give another tax cut to. Whenever Donald Trump gives a tax cut to, to his wealthy friends who don't need it, that money is coming from Social Security. It's coming from Medicaid. It's coming from Medicare. It's coming from other entitlement programs. And I've said this over the years. It's like Robin Hood in the reverse, taking from the poor and giving to the rich. This is what this is about. And if we don't get out here and vote, 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 kiss America, America get goodbye. If the Republicans somehow uh, win in November, America is through. You might as well pack up and leave because this shit is over with. You want your country? Vote. Get out here and vote. If you never voted before and you have been registered all your life, vote. It's pivotal. Vote. Yeah, Brett Kavanaugh is, I mean, this guy is out here with his wife and, and it, it's a mess. Obviously, he's going to be sick. He's going to, uh, if a couple of Republicans or a few Republicans have some sort of remorse against Kavanaugh, if you have some sort of remorse against Kavanaugh, and they decide, two or three Republicans decide not to vote for him, he will not be seated on that Supreme Court. And a couple of Democrats, the Democrats are probably, hopefully, maybe, all are going to uh, vote against him. But, you know, this is just, this time in America, folks, I've said this several times on social media, this time in America, it's just, it's awful. It's awful what the Trump administration has done. It's awful what these Republicans have done. There are so many Republicans who are running from the Republican Party. You have rich donors, Republican donors, saying that they're not going to give the Republicans any more money. And now you get Republicans calling their constituency, the constituency that they don't give a damn about, the constituency that they don't listen to, they don't accept calls or emails, but now they want the money, uh, they want your money, the voters' money, because they're not getting any more money from donors. Donors said to hell with it. This is a rigged ass, rogue ass Republican Congress with a with a, a, a unfit president. I'm not giving you guys any more money. You ruining the country. Uh, they don't care. I mean, they care if they're trying to run for office because they have to raise money. But the Republicans said the Republican donors, the billionaires and the millionaires donors said they're not going to give these guys and girls who's running for Congress any more money. Because they're rogue. They're criminals. They're thugs. They're about to be indicted or subpoenaed or summoned. This is something I'm still looking at the photograph of Jerry Brown. He's pleading, something's got to happen to Trump. 
we know that the best thing that's going to happen to Trump is that the uh, that the Republicans take um, take over the House and the and the Senate in the midterms. And I would like to tell Jerry Brown, give it some time. Give it some time. Mueller's on the case. He has Trump's got six. He has six. Uh, lawsuits on his ass and either one of those can take him down and out uh, maybe Jerry Brown is trying to say uh, you got maybe he's trying to say well you got a lot of uh, you got a lot of evidence on Donald Trump and his family of wrongdoing what the hell is taking you so long to come out and grab this guy and get him out of the White House that's probably what, what Jerry Brown is probably saying and I totally agree I mean, Trump knows what's coming down on him. He, 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 as I've said before, Trump knows what's coming. And the people in the White House around him, they know what's coming before the American people know. Trump knows that Mueller is coming, and he knows specifically what Mueller is coming after. And he knows when Mueller is coming. We don't know that yet. But Trump does. The White House does. They know all of this. I mean, <laughs> they know shit before we know it. And Trump knows he cannot survive. I don't give a shit if he if he survives two more years or three more. It, eventually, he's going down. Six lawsuits implicated in two federal crimes, uh, according to his uh, personal and former lawyer, Michael Cohen. The Republicans won't even – they will not even uh, investigate that, those charges uh, uh, Mike, from Michael Cohen. They won't even investigate that. They won't even investigate the, the allegations from these two or three women. I'm hearing three now. Um, uh, they just going to throw – just going to uh, throw Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Not knowing that if the Democrats take over, they can impeach him. They can investigate if they find any wrongdoing. If this is proven to be true, he will be uh, thrown off that Supreme Court. They, yeah, yeah, judges on the Supreme Court, they have a job for life. But if, if a criminal is on the Supreme Court, the FBI and uh, and investigations prove that he can be uh, a Supreme Court judge uh, nominee or whatever can be impeached. So I would, if I was a Republican, I would probably go for um, investigating these uh, allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. Because if you don't investigate these allegations, you put them on that court, Democrats take over, they investigate him and they find some validity to some, to some of the things that these women are saying and charging, Kavanaugh will be impeached. And the Republicans will have more doodle on their face. They will have more. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show and Jerry Brown. I'm still looking at his photograph over here on a screen here. Uh, something's got to happen to Trump. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But I think the best thing that can happen to Trump is that he get impeached and go to prison. No, I don't want to see him 
uh, I don't want to see violence come to him or his family. I'm not that type of person like a lot of people do. A lot of people wishing Trump dropped dead in his blood. <laughs> they are some of the folks on Facebook. And Facebook is liberal. I don't care what anybody say. It's liberal. <laughs> I mean, you have some Trump supporters uh, from every every now and then, you know, putting in their two cents. But Facebook is liberal. There's no doubt about, about it. The founders, the, the people who operated, the people, I mean, you know, the people who put it together, uh, it's liberal. They don't, Facebook, actually, and I'm not talking when I say Facebook, I'm not talking about the, the members, the posters, the people who are, uh, I'm talking about the people who operated, who produced the site. They're liberal. I mean, nobody likes Trump, and he knows it. So Trump's coming after us, and he's coming, he's coming after everything that he thinks he can take away from us. Remember, he uh, suggests one time that uh, we, have a, uh, we, we must have an ID to shop for food. This is one of his dictatorship kind, kind of BS, you know. Um, and then there's times he threatened the world to go after his critics. I remember one time he, he threatened us, Facebook users uh, and posters. He threatened Facebook members because we were criticizing him. And he wants everybody to say, well, he's a fighter. He hits back. As if he's the only fighter that can hit back. A lot of Americans are fighters too, and we hit back. And there's no doubt about it, Trump's war is with the American people. He wants us to suffer. He wants us to beg. He wants us to die in the street. Why? Because we don't like him and we criticize him. So he's going to hit back at us because they say he's a fighter. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I'm thinking this is going to be very, very controversial for um the governor of California, Jerry Brown. I think if this is his second or third time as governor of California. You know, I mean, I think he, when he was a young man, he was also the governor of California. And during that time, he was also a Democrat. And, um, yeah, he's out there. <laughs> and a lot of people are agreeing with him because they, they're clicking on saying, yes, I agree with you. Something has to happen to Trump. And it seems like he it seems like and I'm going to say this, it seems like Trump just gets away with everything. Looks like he just skates out from under everything because he has protection. He has protection. He doesn't have the gift of gab. He have the gift of uh, stupidity, but not the gift of gab, even though he talks a lot. But as I'm saying, as I've said, the man likes power. Someone said that he was drunk on drunk with power. Or drunk on power. Uh, I agree. Trump likes power. He loves power. And remember, folks, Trump cannot borrow money in the United States. Six bankruptcies, would you let him borrow anything from you? <laughs> he doesn't like to pay his employees. He doesn't like to pay, pay his bills. Would you let him borrow anything from you? This is where I believe the Russia connection comes in. At least this is one of the places I believe where the Russia connection comes in. Oh yeah, he's a colluder. He's a colluder. 
He's a he he is obstruct he has obstructed justice five or six times out in the open. So we know he's done that, and he's still doing it because he's trying to cover his ass. And Donald Trump would throw anybody under the bus, anybody under the bus that even if they even if they agree with him, Donald Trump throw his own children under the bus to save his ass. Yeah, I agree with Jerry Brown. Something's got to happen to Donald Trump. And what I would like to see happen, it, what we all would like to see happen, the America and the world is seeing him escorted out of the White House in handcuffs and leg irons. Not just a fake video, which was cool. So whoever put that video together, I mean, they really did a good job. We need this to be reality. We need this to be for real. Not just fake. Uh, That's one of the things I would love to see. Donald Trump and this that'll probably kill him alone itself. Having on handcuffs and leg irons and led out of the White House into a waiting squad car into a waiting squad car, excuse me, for prison. (laughs) All right, financial coach Karen Beth Ford and commentary on the George Wilder Jr. show. People need loving the most when they need it the least. The Old Man and the Ugly Boy, all week on Amazon. Go check out that book. I just, uh, yeah, it's a novella, but a book, it's still, it's called The Old Man the old man and the Ugly Boy. I wrote it, uh, a free book uh, uh, on uh, Amazon. Check it out, folks. It's free all week, all week. <laughs> And then it'll then it will go sky high, you know, <laughs> uh, pertaining to some people's taste and how much they can pay for a book. You know, I, I stopped charging ninety nine cents and one ninety nine and two ninety nine for a book. I mean, writing is hard work. I mean, you got to do research. You get, it takes sometimes it takes months, it takes weeks, and sometimes it could take years. Um, it's tough work, and then you got to put that crap together. You got to put it. You edit it. You draft it. You draft it. You edit it. Bing, bing, bing. It's tough work. So why not charge what you think your work your your work is worth? I mean, I go on Amazon and I see a lot of people books for ninety nine cents, and I'm saying to myself, what the hell? And then you go sample some of that stuff, and you can see why it's ninety nine cents. You know, bad writing, bad editing, misspelling, and all this kind of thing. And, um, yeah, sometimes you, you have to raise prices on your books, you know, because, you know, you go to the store, the shop, you go to, out to some of these uh, malls and, and a lot of these stores, and you see how the prices have increased on some of, uh, some of this stuff. And you say, wow, why am I charging? If these people are going to raise prices on me, I might as well go back, check out Amazon and start raising prices on my own books. Whether people buy it or not, whether people are interested or not, because if if somebody can buy a book for uh, fourteen ninety five, you know, and if they if they are truly in love with that book, uh, they they will not mind paying for it. So why why charge ninety nine cents? Well, why <laughs> charge ninety nine cents for a book when you can get fifteen bucks for it if you know how to. Uh, uh, do a um, you know just it's just one of those things I will never charge 99 cents for one of my uh, 
I take that back. Uh, some of the stuff I have on Amazon is 99 cents cent because it's just a few pages. <laughs> and I just, you know, kind of put it together. But it's good stuff. All that stuff is really good, really good stuff. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Karen Beth Ford is on the uh, is going to be on the George Wanda Jr. show, and we're going to have plenty of commentary. We're going to have a lots of fun. All right, you're on the George Wanda Jr. show. Go right ahead. You're on. Oh, you're on hello the George- there, George. How are you? Hi. Are you a uh, financial it's Karen. coach? It's Karen. It's Karen. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, Karen. Yay. Uh Oh, thank you for having me, George. I so appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. No problem. All righty. Uh, tell my uh, listeners and, and um, uh, uh, the people who listen to the show and all that kind of stuff, tell them, what do you do? I am a master financial coach, and generally what I do is I teach people how to, out, how to get out of debt, how to budget wow. and manage their money in a greater way and also build wealth, <laughs> which is always a win-win situation, George. I haven't it met is. anybody yet. Yes, I haven't met anyone yet to tell me that they don't desire or need more money. Every person that I have run into to talk about money with generally either need more money or they want more money. So money's pretty and a pretty important subject, I think. Yeah, in this day and age, it really is. It really is, and you'd be surprised. Yes, it is. Uh, you you're always surprised to find out how many people who really don't have any money, because a lot of people in this day and age, you know, a lot of people don't even have money in the bank. I mean, their their savings are just dried oh. up. Uh, you know. Right. And, and the bank accounts are, are not there. Their bank accounts have been closed. And uh, yeah, it's just tough times for a lot of people. It surely is. And I find it so rewarding, George, to help people manage their money in a greater way and actually see them utilizing the principles and the keys. I, um, it's interesting because I meet a lot of people doing what I do. And I had the great opportunity of um, coaching lots of different people. But I'll give you one example, if I may. I was coaching a husband and wife one time, and uh, unfortunately for them, they both found out a few things that evening when I was meeting with them. She had some credit cards. Well, they both had credit cards together, but she ended up having some credit cards that he didn't know about. And he had some credit cards that she didn't know about. And long story short, between the two of them, they had 86 credit cards. Wow. Now, you talk about a day of discovery for both of them. That was a true day of discovery. And we we talk about it. They both decided they wanted to get rid of the credit cards and do what they needed to do and uh, get themselves on the right path. So that was very exciting and very rewarding for me uh, when people want to work the program and, and uh, get their finances in order, you know? <laughs> yeah. How many credit cards would you suggest a uh, couple have? Well, uh, to be truthfully honest with you, I recommend people not to have any credit cards but I totally agree with you, Karen. I totally agree. 
I totally agree with you. I mean, because if I have a credit card or debit card, the bank account will be drained quickly. Hey, you know, you just said a mouthful, George, because there's actually a there was a study several years ago by Carnegie Mellon, and you will love this, I think. They did a test, a simulated test utilizing an MRI machine, and they simulated a person spending cash. And when they spent cash, it activated the the pain centers of the brain. But when they simulated a person, the same person, utilizing a debit card or credit card, it did not activate the pain centers of the brain because we're supposed to feel money leave our hands. And it's supposed to be somewhat painful, so to speak. Yeah. And we actually spend 47% more money when we use a debit card or credit card than we do when we use cash. And I, I don't totally know about agree. You, but if I, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> You're so I easy totally, to talk to, George. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree because I, I think – uh, if you have a debit or a credit card around, I mean, you, you, there is going to be that impulse to go out and buy something because you have money there. Yeah. But if you That's have true. money in a savings account far away, not that far, uh, and you can't get to it, more likely it's going to stay there. But if you have That's that credit right. card and that debit card and that ATM is right around the corner, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I always like to use this example. Uh, you know, for example, if you and I, let's say we went to Wendy's or McDonald's or some restaurant, and I was, you know, I was buying, right? So I use a yeah. debit card or credit card. Well, I'm going to supersize this. I'm going to get an extra fry that. And I'm going to say, okay, George, <laughs> you get whatever you want. But if we go in there and I've got cash, I am probably going to order from the dollar menu. And then, uh, unfortunately, George, you might have to buy your own. <laughs> but when we spend yeah. cash, we spend money differently. We spend differently yeah, uh, when we use cash. Yeah. Yeah, then, then uh, a, a credit card or a debit card. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think money will leave, you, leave your pockets a lot faster with a debit or a credit card than it would be if you had it in a, uh, you know institution like a bank or something. Uh, I do right. think that you're somewhat um, subdued from going, going to get your money out <laughs> and, and having it right. right there in your hand, you know, the money, is, it feels good. Uh, but one of the things That's I do right. agree with you, when you, do, when you have a credit or debit card, you're just going to splurge, you know, <laughs> you're going to splurge. That's so true. You know, and when you're I gonna... go shopping, y'all go mm-hmm. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. When I go shopping, obviously I, I try to use cash at all, you know, as much as possible. But when I use cash, I'm going to spend differently. You know, yeah, I'm mindful yeah. of how much is in my purse or my wallet. For instance, I don't know if this has happened to you or any of the listeners, but if you go to a grocery store and you use, let's say you're going to use a debit card, for the first aisle or two, you might be keeping a running tab in your brain of how much you're spending. But by the second or third aisle, that's out the window, and then you don't know how much you spent until you slide that debit card in that machine. But if you use cash, 
you're keeping a running total the entire time you're in that yeah. store, and you're pretty close by the time you get to the register to check out. So mm-hmm. I'm all for utilizing cash more so than a debit card or credit card because you're going to spend a lot less money than you would if yeah. you use a debit or credit card. It's almost exactly. like no holds barred. You know, yeah. when you use a credit nowadays, or debit card, it's almost like invisible money or something. <laughs> yeah. But nowadays, people, they actually do not carry cash. They carry a card. Right. I was mm-hmm. in a, uh, a store. To, I think I was doing a walk and went in to get a bottle of water. And uh, a young person, I'm not saying all young people are like this, but they, they yeah. bought something. That was probably a dollar fifty, and they pulled the debit card out. <laughs> and I just thought, <laughs> really? You don't have a dollar fifty in your pocket? But it's, yeah. it's convenience. I think people yeah, look at using a debit card as convenience, you know? Yeah. But basically, a debit card is their money, basically. It's just on a card, you know. Right. But I think people get surprised, though, at the end of the day when they use all those receipts and realize how much they spent. Yeah, yeah. When they pull those Uh, debit cards out. All right, financial coach Karen Beth Ford on the George Wilder Jr. Show. How would one, how would a person get out of debt? Oh, boy, you asked a loaded question there, George. I'm so glad (laughs) you asked. How would you get out of debt? I like using... um, well, I like to term it the Goliath approach. I don't know if you remember that little uh-huh. Bible story with David and Goliath. Well, before yeah, he took Goliath yeah, out, he had to kill a – yeah, you know that one? Okay. He had to yeah, kill I've, a Yeah, I've heard it growing up and stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, I look at debt that way. And so you asked how would a person go about getting out of debt, and this, this is a simple but very feasible plan. You list all your debts in ascending order, smallest to largest. So at the top of the page, you're going to have your smallest debt, and then you're going to increase it all the way down. Most people, their house is the largest debt they have. So let's pretend that you have a small debt, let's say a credit card of 100 bucks, and your payment's $25 a month. Well, you're going to get rid of that small debt, and now you don't have that $25 a month to pay on that card anymore. But instead of spending that $25, now you're going to apply that $25 to the next debt. So if the next debt is another credit card and that payment is $50, you're going to add that $25 to it since you don't have the other card. So that's what I call the lion and the bear and the Goliath because as you eliminate those debts and pay them off, you're adding that payment to the next debt, and therefore you're paying it off so much more quickly, and you're going to mm-hmm. feel so empowered because you're being in control of your money instead of you wondering where it went. Yeah. That, that sounds beautiful. Karen, have you written any books on this subject, financial management? I actually Sure. I've written uh, three books, actually. The first book I wrote was a 31-day devotional. The second Mm -hmm. book I wrote is called Money Matters. And that book actually has in detail how to get out of debt, how to budget, how to invest, build wealth, all of that. 
And then the third book is actually going to be released October 1st, but it's called Money Nuggets. And there's tons of quotes in that book. Uh, and it's actually on pre-release right now on Amazon. All three of my books are on Amazon, paperback and e-reader, each one of them. But I like helping people get out of debt and build wealth. Yeah, yeah. So um, how, um, if a person has nothing in the bank, how would you uh, explain to this person it's better off to try to save a little money when they can't save a little money? How do you save money when you can't save money? Okay. For And I assume what you're saying is maybe they get their paycheck and they're having a hard time making ends meet. Yeah, maybe so one check, my, one paycheck to paycheck or something like that. Right. What I would recommend is um, the first thing to do is get $1,000 in the bank. Now, how do we do that? It's amazing yeah. to me. Because people have things in their garage, in their basement, in the attic of their house that they have not used, and it's just sitting there collecting dust. Uh, I've talked to many people that have a treadmill in their home, and they use it as a coat rack. So if you haven't used something in a year, get rid of it. <laughs> sell it. You know, sell it on Facebook. Sell it on Craigslist. And get the $1,000 quickly. Now, some people will, will say, well, I don't think I can get that $1,000 real quick, And to which I say, let's think about this for a moment. Let's pretend that there was a deadly virus going on in, in, the, in America right now, which there isn't, but let's say there was. And let's say to save the life of your child, you have to buy this vaccine for $1,000 because that's how much the vaccine costs. How many parents would quickly sell whatever it is you needed to sell and do what you needed to do to make the necessary sacrifices to get that $1,000 to save the life of your child? More times than not, every parent's going to do whatever it is they need to do. So the first key is to sell the things that you're not utilizing, that's laying around the house in an emergency fund. Because the sooner you have an emergency fund, that's a padding for you so that if an emergency arises, you don't have to use the credit card. Because if you don't have any money in the bank and you go and have, you know, your alternator goes out on your car, if you don't have any money in the bank, you're going to have to use something. And more times than not, people will use the credit card. Or if you have a flat tire, how are you going to get a new tire or replace that, you know, replace the tire or repair the tire? If you don't have any money in the bank, you're going to have to borrow it or use a credit card. So if you're living paycheck to paycheck, my recommendation is things around the home that you're no longer using, basement, garage, attic, whatever, get rid of it, sell it, have a yard sale, do something, and get money saved up really quickly. And more times than not, people have things in their home they're not using, and yeah. you can sell it and, and get a little emergency fund going, so that you. I'm looking have, around my home you know, already. I'm saying, what can I get out of? Let me there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what. I was talking to a lady one time because I'll coach face to face. I'll use Skype, you know, and sometimes yeah. I just use yeah. the old phone to coach people. And I was talking to this lady, and literally she sold the things that she needed to sell, and she said, I just don't know what else to do. And I said, well, tell me what kind of hobbies you have. 
and she said, well, the only hobby I had, she had was crocheting. I said, really, okay. what do you make? And she said, scarves, gloves, and those hats, those, you know, the messy bun hat that you can put on yeah. and the messy bun, there's like a hole there for it. I said, you got to be kidding me. She said, no. And I, she worked in a hospital. I think she was a nursing assistant. I said, listen, I said, you're on Facebook. I said, and how long does it take you to make a messy bun hat? Less than an hour. I said, start making those things. Those are popular in the fall and in the winter. I said, you know, the, the yarn is not that expensive. But I said, how much could you sell those messy bun hats for? And she told me, I said, you start making those, taking pictures, uploading them on Facebook, letting the people know that you work with about them. You know, that created a $700 a month for her by making Good scarves, hats, and gloves. So I yeah. would encourage the listeners, what hobby do you have? Because sometimes yeah. people think that it's not that big of a deal, but you can actually create a substantial income for yourself, if, and especially if you like doing it. She loves, yeah, and, you know, crocheting. Yeah, I, I've heard uh, uh, something to that effect. For I've been hearing things like that for years. People are making stuff, creating stuff, taking their hobby and making money with it. And I'm all oh, for absolutely. that. I'm all oh, for that. I mean, I think that's great. Me too. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, and then you have people, then you have those people out there with hobbies and, and lots of creativity and they don't want to even share it. So I, you know, oh, I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. And that's kind of sad because what a gift that is. For yeah, that, it is. You know, to be able to utilize mm-hmm. that. You know, uh, I've talked yeah. with some other people that, you know, they work a job, full-time job, and then when they come home, they need some extra money. And they love kids. Hey, you know, there's money in uh, babysitting in your home or going to somebody else's house. You know, a couple want to go out for a date night for three hours. You know, depending on what the rates are in your area, you could actually make a substantial income by offering, you know, child care. You so know, you're saying that, nights. yeah, so you're saying that have, have, try, if you're living from check to check, try at least having to have $1,000 in the bank, sort of like a reserve fund in, in case yes. of an emergency. That's right, yes. Mm-hmm. That way if something arises and let's say yeah. you have to replace your hot water tank, you know, uh, yeah. if you have an emergency fund, you can just take care of it and not have to use that that dreadful credit card for an emergency, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, financial coach, coach Karen Beth Ford on the George Wilder Jr. Show. What would you like to leave my audience with? I just want to say whatever financial mm-hmm. situation or circumstance that you find yourself in, there's always hope for your situation. I haven't met anybody yet, and I've coached people with – Debts from $500 all the way up to $800,000. There's hope mm-hmm. for every financial situation. If you're willing to, to apply the principle, absolutely. You can get out of debt and build wealth. Okay, tell them about your books, where we can go get them, where we can find them, and websites and stuff like that. Certainly. Thank you, George. All three no of problem. the books are on Amazon. Yeah. The first book is 31 Days to a Greater Understanding of Money. Mm -hmm. That's a devotional. Mm -hmm. The second book is Money Matters. 
and that's the meaty book that actually gives all those details. And the third book is Money Nuggets. All three are in e-reader and paperback. Or if you're not Amazon savvy, you can go directly to my website, which is KarenFord.org. All right, Financial Coach Karen Beth Ford on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I'm going to send you a link to this show. So once it's produced and recorded, I'm going to send you a link with you on it. So you can maybe put it on your website and people can come by and listen to you on this show on your website, if I got that right. Fantastic. (laughs) Yes, sir. Thank you so much, George. It was a pleasure being with you. All right, bye-bye. Take care. All righty. Karen Beth Ford on the George Wilder Jr. Show.
All I wanted was a much-deserved promotion, and he told me to get up on the desk and spread them. All the men in my office wrote down on a piece of paper the sexual favors that I could do for them. All I had asked for was an office with a window. I asked for his advice about how I could get a bill out of committee. He asked me if I brought my knee pads. Those are just a few of the horrific stories that I heard from women over the last year as I've been investigating workplace sexual harassment. And what I found out is that it's an epidemic across the world. It's a horrifying reality for millions of women when all they want to do every day is go to work. Sexual harassment doesn't discriminate. You can wear a skirt, hospital scrubs, army fatigues. You can be young or old, married or single, black or white. You can be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. I heard from so many women, police officers, members of our military, financial assistants, actors, engineers, lawyers, bankers, accountants, teachers, journalists. Sexual harassment, it turns out, is not about sex. It's about power and about what somebody does to you to try and take away your power. And I'm here today to encourage you to know that you can take that power back. On July 6, 2016, I jumped off a cliff all by myself. It was the scariest moment of my life, an excruciating choice to make. I fell into an abyss all alone, not knowing what would be below. But then something miraculous started to happen. Thousands of women started reaching out to me to share their own stories of pain and agony and shame. They told me that I became their voice. They were voiceless. And suddenly I realized that even in the 21st century, every woman still has a story. Like Joyce, a flight attendant supervisor whose boss in meetings every day would tell her about the porn that he'd watched the night before while drawing penises on his notepad. She went to complain. She was called crazy and fired. Like Joanne, Wall Street banker, her male colleagues would call her that vile C-word every day. She complained, labeled a troublemaker, never to do another Wall Street deal again. Like Elizabeth, an army officer, her male subordinates would wave $1 bills in her face and say, dance for me. And when she went to complain to a major, he said, what, only $1? You're worth at least five or ten. After reading, replying to all, and crying over all of these emails, I realized I had so much work to do. Here are the startling facts. One in three women that we know of have been sexually harassed in the workplace. 71% of those incidences never get reported. Why? Because when women come forward, 
They're still called liars and troublemakers and demeaned and trashed and demoted and blacklisted and fired. Reporting sexual harassment can be, in many cases, career-ending. Of all the women that reached out to me, almost none are still today working in their chosen profession, and that is outrageous. I, too, was silent in the beginning. It happened to me at the end of my year as Miss America, when I was meeting with a very high-ranking TV executive in New York City. I thought he was helping me throughout the day, making a lot of phone calls. We went to dinner, and in the backseat of a car, he suddenly lunged on top of me and stuck his tongue down my throat. I didn't realize that to get into the business, silly me, he also intended to get into my pants. And just a week later, when I was in Los Angeles meeting with a high-ranking publicist, it happened again, again in a car, and he took my neck in his hand, and he shoved my head so hard into his crotch, I couldn't breathe. These are the events that suck the life out of all of your self-confidence. These are the events that until recently, I didn't even call assault. And this is why we have so much work to do. After my years, Miss America, I continued to meet a lot of well-known people, including Donald Trump. When this picture was taken in 1988, nobody could have ever predicted where we'd be today. <laughs> Me, fighting to end sexual harassment in the workplace. He, President of the United States, in spite of it. And shortly thereafter, I got my first gig in television news in Richmond, Virginia. Check out that confident smile with the bright pink jacket. Not so much the hair. I was working so hard to prove that blondes have a lot of brains. But ironically, one of the first stories I covered was the Anita Hill hearings in Washington, D.C. And shortly thereafter, I too was sexually harassed in the workplace. I was covering the story in rural Virginia, And when we got back into the car, my cameraman started saying to me, wondering how much I had enjoyed when he touched my breasts when he put the microphone on me, and it went downhill from there. I was bracing myself against the passenger door. This was before cell phones. I was petrified. I actually envisioned myself rolling outside of that door as the car was going 50 miles per hour, like I'd seen in the movies, and wondering how much it would hurt. When the story about Harvey Weinstein came to light, one of the most well-known movie moguls in all of Hollywood, the allegations were horrific. But so many women came forward, and it made me realize what I had done meant something. He had such a lame excuse. He said he was a product of the 60s and 70s, and that that was the culture then. Yeah. That was the culture then, and unfortunately, it still is. Why? Because of all the myths that are still associated with sexual harassment. Women should just take another job and find another career. 
Yeah, right. Tell that to the single mom working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, who's also being sexually harassed. Women, they bring it on themselves by the clothes that we wear and the makeup that we put on. Yeah, I guess those hoodies that Uber engineers wear in Silicon Valley are just so provocative. Women make it up. Yeah, because it's so fun and rewarding to be demeaned and taken down. I would know. Women bring these claims because they want to be famous and rich. Our own president said that. I bet Taylor Swift, one of the most well-known and richest singers in the world, didn't need more money or fame when she came forward with her groping case for one dollar. And I'm so glad she did. Breaking news: the untold story about women and sexual harassment in the workplace. Women just want a safe, welcoming, and harass-free environment. That's it. So, how do we go about getting our power back? I have three solutions. Number one. We need to turn bystanders and enablers into allies. 98% of United States corporations right now have sexual harassment training policies. 70% have prevention programs. But still, overwhelmingly, bystanders and witnesses don't come forward. In 2016, the Harvard Business Review called it the bystander effect. And yet, remember 9/11. Millions of times we've heard, "If you see something, say something." Imagine how impactful that would be if we carried that through to bystanders in the workplace regarding sexual harassment, to recognize and interrupt these incidences, to confront the perpetrators to their face, to help and protect the victims. This is my shout out to men. We need you in this fight, and to women too, enablers, to allies. Number two, change the laws. How many of you out there know whether or not you have a forced arbitration clause in your employment contract? Not a lot of hands, and if you don't know, you should. And here's why. Time magazine calls it right there on the screen. The teeny tiny little print. In contracts that keeps sexual harassment claims unheard, here's what it is: forced arbitration takes away your Seventh Amendment right to an open jury process. It's secret. You don't get the same witnesses or depositions. In many cases, the company picks the arbitrator for you. There are no appeals, and only 20% of the time does the employee win. But again, it's secret, so nobody ever knows what happened to you. This is why I've been working so diligently on Capitol Hill in Washington D.C. to change the laws. And here's what I tell the senators: Sexual harassment is apolitical. Before somebody harasses you, they don't ask you if you're a Republican or Democrat first. They just do it. And this is why we should all care. Number three: Be fierce. It starts when we stand tall, and we build that self-confidence. And we stand up and we speak up and we tell the world what happened to us. 
I know it's scary, but let's do it for our kids. Let's stop this for the next generations. I know that I did it for my children. They were paramount in my decision-making about whether or not I would come forward. My beautiful children, my 12-year-old son, Christian, my 14-year-old daughter, Kaya, and boy, did I underestimate them. The first day of school last year happened to be the day my resolution was announced, and I was so anxious about what they would face. And my daughter came home from school, and she said, Mommy, so many people asked me what happened to you over the summer. And then she looked at me in the eyes, and she said, And Mommy, I was so proud to say that you were my mom. And two weeks later, when she finally found the courage to stand up to two kids who'd been making her life miserable, she came home to me and she said, Mommy, I found the courage to do it because I saw you do it. You see, giving the gift of courage is contagious. And I hope that my journey has inspired you because right now it's the tipping point. We are watching history happen. More and more women are coming forward and saying, enough is enough. I want to talk to you about the Electoral College and why it matters. All right, I know this doesn't sound like the most sensational topic of the day, but stay with me because I promise you it's one of the most important. To explain why requires a very brief civics review. The President and Vice President of the United States are not chosen by a nationwide popular vote of the American people. Rather, they are chosen by 538 electors. This process is spelled out in the United States Constitution. Why didn't the founders just make it easy? and let the presidential candidate with the most votes claim victory? Why did they create, and why do we continue to need this electoral college? The answer is critical to understanding not only the electoral college, but also America. The founders had no intention of creating a pure majority rule democracy. They knew from careful study of history what most have forgotten today or never learned. Pure democracies do not work. They implode. Democracy has been colorfully described as two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for dinner. In a pure democracy, bare majorities can easily tyrannize the rest of a country. The founders wanted to avoid this at all costs. This is why we have three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. It's why each state has two senators, no matter what its population, but also different numbers of representatives based entirely on population. It's why it takes a supermajority in Congress and three-quarters of the states to change the Constitution. And it's why we have the Electoral College. Here's how the Electoral College works. The presidential election happens in two phases. The first phase is purely democratic. We hold 51 popular elections every presidential election year, one in each state and one in D.C., on election day in 2012, you may have thought you were voting for Barack Obama or Mitt Romney, but you were really voting for a slate of presidential electors. In Rhode Island, for example, if you voted for Barack Obama, you voted for the state's four Democratic electors. 
if you voted for Mitt Romney, you were really voting for the state's four Republican electors. Part two of the election is held in December, and it is this December election among the state's 538 electors, not the November election, which officially determines the identity of the next president. At least 270 votes are needed to win. Why is this so important? Because the system encourages coalition building and national campaigning. In order to win, a candidate must have the support of many different types of voters from various parts of the country. Winning only the South or the Midwest is not good enough. You cannot win 270 electoral votes if only one part of the country is supporting you. But if winning were only about getting the most votes, a candidate might concentrate all of his efforts in the biggest cities or the biggest states. Why would that candidate care about what people in West Virginia or Iowa or Montana think? But, you might ask, isn't the election really only about the so-called swing states? Actually, no. If nothing else, safe and swing states are constantly changing. California voted safely Republican as recently as 1988. Texas used to vote Democrat. Neither New Hampshire nor Virginia used to be swing states. Most people think that George W. Bush won the 2000 election because of Florida. Well, sort of. But he really won the election because he managed to flip one state which the Democrats thought was safe, West Virginia. Its four electoral votes turned out to be decisive. No political party can ignore any state for too long without suffering the consequences. Every state, and therefore every voter in every state, is important. The Electoral College also makes it harder to steal elections. Votes must be stolen in the right state in order to change the outcome of the Electoral College. With so many swing states, this is hard to predict and hard to do. But without the Electoral College, any vote stolen in any precinct in the country could affect the national outcome, even if that vote was easily stolen in the bluest California precinct or the reddest Texas one. The Electoral College is an ingenious method of selecting a president for a great, diverse republic such as our own. It protects against the tyranny of the majority, encourages coalition building, and discourages voter fraud. Our founders were proud of it. We can be too. I'm the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You Thank you. 
I want to thank my guest, financial coach, um, Karen Beth Ford, for doing the show. She was beautiful. She was wonderful. Hopefully, she will come back. <laughs> All right. I'm looking at uh, Judge Kavanaugh and his wife. That's one of the things uh, about uh, Republicans. Whenever they... Whenever they have something to say to the American people, they go straight to Fox News because they don't trust any other outlet. They go straight to Fox News. Fox News. Fox News is a uh, Republican propaganda uh, cable news station. They're always running to Fox News. Fox News, I believe, is Donald Trump's favorite, favorite um, station i've heard it was his favorite he he watches it himself so um uh and of course he uh i mean you got some of the posters some of the comments on here on huffington post is this is where i am uh some of the people are being really really nasty <laughs> uh i mean when you're sitting behind a computer or behind a phone or something i mean you you can say almost anything you want and nobody can really get to you right nobody can grab you that's a lie <laughs> um anyway he he says he's not going to be uh going anywhere he says he's not going to let these women deter him from uh uh being set on a supreme court and he may be right he could be right because the Republicans in Congress, they control everything. The Democrats, they can uh, complain and bitch and yell and scream and go to the FBI, but the FBI is in control of uh, – the Republicans are in control of the FBI. If uh, the Democrats are saying we want this investigated, we want these active, uh, allegations investigated, uh, Trump will say no, we're not going investigate, to investigate anything because Trump – he owns the FBI. He owns Jeff Sessions. The FBI is not going to do a damn thing um, and, and as far as investigating any of these claims from these two or three women who are saying that uh, Kavanaugh uh, sexually – well, he didn't sexually uh, – I don't think he performed any acts. He just was lewd in his behavior. Um so <laughs> he's trying to get out of it. He's trying to say, well, that was 36 years ago. It was 50 years ago. I was a boy. I was a kid. I didn't, I, you know. And it, it just uh, startles me sometimes to see women just take up for this guy. I mean, take up for Donald Trump. I mean, in the eyes of Donald Trump, women are none but peasants. But yet you got a lot of women out here who will give Donald Trump their vote, who will give Kavanaugh their vote. Lisa Murkowski, uh, uh, Collins, uh, these these women saying that uh, what Kavanaugh allege- allegedly did is appalling and they don't like it, but they're still going to vote to confirm him. And that's that's one of the things with a lot of these Republicans. They they will say they don't like what Trump said. They don't like what he did. They don't like his behavior. They don't like his, his demeanor. But in the end, they're all for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's why I'm going to get on a pedestal here again 
and say, please get out there and vote. Please get out there and vote blue. Uh, because if this guy is set on the Supreme Court with no with no um, thing, with no investigation by Congress into these allegations, Democrats will get in and control, and they will get to the bottom of this. If these allegations are found to be true, uh, Kavanaugh would be ripped up off the Supreme Court bench. So. In other words, I'm saying the Republicans, they may have the power now to seat him, but the Democrats will have the power to unseat Kavanaugh in a few weeks. So we have that to look forward to. So don't, don't be feeling depressed. Don't feel like you're a loser. Don't feel like Republicans are, are this or that because we have a blue wave coming. Stay mad. Stay pissed. Stay awesome. Get out there and vote. Drag everybody you know to the polls who are registered. Uh, if someone's not registered, get them registered. Do not forget about early voting. That's the that's usually in the in favor of the Democrats. Early. So I want you to know one thing. I am not a Democrat. I'm an independent. But I, I'm just not a Republican. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody should be a Republican. Uh, there are so many Republicans now now are leaving their own party. Donald Trump, uh, every, every day Donald Trump is losing supporters. He is. And with this Kavanaugh nonsense and the women coming forward and the Republicans still saying that they're going to sit this guy, they're losing more votes. They're losing more of the women vote. And we know that there are more women out here than there are men. Have you ever looked at Donald Trump's cabinet? Have you ever looked at a photograph or something or a video uh, and there's no women in the area there's no women behind them it's all old men old old white men evil <laughs> evil <laughs> and i don't understand why any woman i'm like betty betty um betty bush uh she just died and she, I'm going to quote her. She said she doesn't see why any woman would vote for Donald Trump or vote for anybody he's, you know, involved with or want to be involved with. And I'm with her. I don't see why women would vote for Donald Trump. I really don't. Why? You can't. Republican women just cannot be voting for Donald Trump because he's a Republican. Donald Trump was will throw any one of them under the jail, whether they support him or not. When Donald Trump, when Donald Trump gets his ass in a, a rut, when he gets his ass twisted, he's going to throw anybody under the bus. He doesn't give a damn if you're a supporter or not. He doesn't care if you're loyal to him or not. When the shit hit the fan, Donald Trump is going to throw you under the bus. We all know that. Why do these, I don't know, maybe they, maybe these are people who like being abused. <laughs> maybe they love being abused. And Donald Trump is their abuser. And you've heard this before. A lot of women in domestic violence situations, they stay with their abuser. This is what's happening here in the Trump administration. A lot of these politicians who are being abused by Donald Trump, they stick with him. It's something about being abused. <laughs> that people like, you know, and um, 
hopefully we can uh, put an end to this fiasco. This is one messy administration from top to fucking bottom. This is one messy administration. This America is now a shithole. I mean, Trump, I mean, everything the guy touches, everything that he's a part of goes to garbage, turns to garbage. Six bankruptcies, you name it. Uh, racism, white supremacy, I mean, you name it. I mean, uh, a traitor, a uh, pussy grabber. This is all in the news. This is all on video, so... Uh, I'm just being frank and direct. Um, we just have to get out here and vote blue. We have to get out here and do it. I mean, we have to vote. We have to and we have to send a message when we vote, I'm trying to say. We have to send a message. And sending a message to the Republicans that they are shit-faced, we're going to have to vote in the millions. I mean, we're going to have to have – these voting – the lines are going to be – to be as long as we can get them for people uh, when, it time, when it's time to vote. And do not forget about early voting or voting online. Um, you know, all of these ballots and, and stuff like that, uh, vote any way you can as long as, as long as you're doing it legally. You know, we have to get these people out of there. We have to turn, take America back. We have to turn it around because Donald Trump is yeah. – have anybody heard about these tariffs, these China tariffs? These tariffs that this asshole has um, committed to America, this is nothing short of making America pay more for, for the goods and services that they need. You take Walmart, for instance. uh uh, the tariffs, this, his tariff wars have caused the prices to go up tremendously at Walmart. If you go out and try to buy a, a Coke, a pop, you know, a Coke, a soda, uh, it has gone up tremend- tremendously because of these tariffs that Donald Trump has. Donald Trump goes out. I mean, I'm, I think I think the guy gets up every day, every morning, figure out, trying to figure out how he's going to screw up America. And he does. He gets up. He has his aides or his flunkies or ass kissers come and tell him what he can fuck up today. And he does. And he does. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show. Um, it's been fun. It's been great fun. I, I love doing the show. Uh, we're going to be on all week except for Fridays. Make sure you tune in and make sure you go to uh, Amazon and pick up my latest novella. Uh, it's called the um, the old man and the ugly boy. And make sure you check out financial coach Karen Beth Ford. Uh, if you didn't get her information, make sure you play this uh, episode back, this podcast back, and you get all her information that uh, she has provided on this show in order for you to go get her book. I think you will be uh, – mesmerized at all the things she tries to show you how to save money, how to raise money, how to go into business for yourself, how, et cetera, and et cetera, and et cetera. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Let's see if we can do this. Oh, we, we had Maxine Waters on the, day, the other day, 
a clip. But uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of feedback from that. Uh, Maxine, Maxine is always <laughs> she's always uh, fun to listen to because she doesn't she doesn't uh, hold back. She she says what she has to say, and that's it. You like it or you don't like it. That's Max. <laughs> that's Maxine, not Monroe, but Maxine Waters. Maxine Monroe is a character I created for one of those uh, books. All right, uh, thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you go out and get those books. Uh, uh, and I hope you have a great night, a great evening, a great morning, a great weekend, whichever you find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, this podcast. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Vote blue. Vote all the time. Get registered. We'll see you at the midterms. We'll see you at the midterms.